George Rogers Clark History Stories Collection. George Rogers Clark was born in Virginia in 1752. From childhood, Clark liked to roam the woods. He became a surveyor and an Indian fighter at the age of 21. Like Washington, with chain and compass, and with axe and rifle, he made his way far into the wild and lonely forests of the upper Ohio. Clark was a scout for the governor of Virginia in the expedition which defeated the great Shawnee chief, Cornstalkhat. Two years later, Clark made his way alone over the mountains and became a leader in Kentucky along with Boone. The Kentucky hunters chose Clark to go to Virginia as their lawmaker. He told Governor Patrick Henry that if Kentucky was not worth defending against the Indians, it was not worth having. At this, the Virginian lawmakers made Kentucky into a Virginia county and gave Clark 500 pounds of powder, which he carried down the Ohio River to Kentucky. Clark lived at Harrodsburg, where... For more than a year, he was kept busy helping the settlers fight off the Indians. This was the very time when Boonesboro and other settlements were so often surrounded by Indians who had been aroused by the British officers at Detroit. These officers paid a certain sum for each scalp of an American the Indians brought them. After having seen brave men and women scalped by the Indians, Clark decided to strike a blow at the British across the Ohio. But where could he find money and men for an army? Kentucky did not have men enough. Clark thought of that old patriot across the mountains, Patrick Henry. He mounted his horse and guided some settlers back to Virginia, but kept his secret. In Virginia, he heard the good news that Burgoyne had surrendered. Governor Henry was heart and soul for Clark's plan. He made Clark a colonial, gave him $60,000 in paper money, and ordered him to raise an army to defend Kentucky. In May 1778, Clark's little army of about 150 backwoodsmen with several families took their flatboats and floated down the Monongahela to Fort Pitt. Clark did not dare tell the riflemen where they were going for fear the British might get the word. Here they took on supplies and a few small cannon. On they floated in the middle of the river to keep away from the Indians who might be hiding in the deep, dark forests on the river's banks. At the falls of the Ohio on Corn Island, Clark landed his party. He built a blockhouse and cabins and drilled the riflemen into soldiers while the settlers planted corn. This was the beginning of the city of Louisville. One day, Clark called his men together and told them the secret. He was really leading them against the British forts on the Illinois and the Wabash rivers. A few of the men refused to go so far from home, a thousand miles, but the rest were willing to follow their leader. In June, Clark's boats shot the falls and were soon at the mouth of the Tennessee, where a band of hunters joined the party. There, Clark hid the boats and began the long journey through tangled forests and over grand prairies. But they did not know what minute the Indians might attack, or some British scout discover them and carry the news to General Hamilton at Detroit. They reached the old French town Kaskaskia at dusk on July 4. They did not dare give a shout or fire a gun, for the British officer had more men than Clark. Clark sent part of his men silently to surround the town while he led others to the fort. 
where they heard the merry music of the violin and the voices of the dancers. Clark himself slipped into the great hall, folded his arms, and looked in silence on the dimly lighted scene. An Indian lying on the floor saw Clark's face by the light of the torches. He sprang to his feet and gave the terrible war whoop. Instead, of, instantly the dancing ceased, the women screamed, and the men rushed toward Clark. But Clark simply said, Go on with your dance. But remember that you, you dance under Virginia and not under Great Britain. The British general surrendered, and the French inhabitants trembled when they learned that the backwoodsmen had captured the town. They sent their priest, Guy Bolt, and other chief men to beg for their lives. Imagine their surprise and joy when Clark told them that not only were their lives safe, but that the new republic made war on no church and protected all from insult. He also told them that the King of France had made a treaty with the United States and was sending his great warships and soldiers to help America. The town of Cahokia also surrendered. Gibault went to Vincennes to tell the French settlers about the doings of Clark and to give them the news that France had taken ships with the Americans. The people rejoiced and ran up the American flag. Clark sent Captain Helm to command the fort. General Hamilton at Detroit was busy planning to attack Fort Pitt and to encourage the Ohio Indians to kill and scalp Kentuckians. How astonished he was when he heard that the forts on the Illinois and the Wabash had fallen. He gathered a mixed army of British, Canadians, and Indians, crossed Lake Erie to the mouth of Maumee, and paddled up that river to the portage. Down the Wabash they floated, five hundred strong. Vincennes surrendered without a blow. Hamilton decided to stay there for the winter and march against Clark in the spring. This was a blunder. He did not yet know Clark and his backwoodsmen. I must take Hamilton or Hamilton will take me, said Clark when he heard the news. He immediately set to work to build a rude sort of gunboat, which he fitted out with his cannon and about forty men. He sent the willing, as it was called, down the Mississippi around into the Ohio and up the Wabash to meet him at Vincennes. All was excitement in the French towns. Forty or fifty French joined Clark's riflemen. Guy Balt gave them his blessing and the march overland to Vincennes began. Clark divided his men into parties, each in its turn did the hunting, and at night invited the others to sit around great campfires to feast on bear ham, buffalo hump, elk saddle, and venison haunch. They ate, sang, danced, and told stories. No doubt they often talked of their loved ones far away in the cabins of Virginia and Kentucky. On they pushed till they came to the dr drowned lands of the Wabash, and there they saw miles and miles of muddy water. They made a rude boat to carry them over the deepest parts. The horses had to swim. Soon they were near enough vincinants to hear the morning gun at the fort, but they did not dare fire a gun themselves for fear of being discovered by parties of hunters. Food grew scarce, game was hard to find, and starvation threatened them. Sometimes after waiting all day, they could hardly find a dry spot to camp for the night. Some grew too weak to wade and were carried in boats. The stronger sang songs to keep up the courage of the weak. When they finally reached the opposite shore of the Wabash, many fell, worn out, some lying partly in the water. Those who were well built great fares and warmed and fed the faint ones on hot deer broth. 
but these brave men soon forgot their hardships and again were full of fight. Clark now decided to take a bold, bold course. He sent a letter to the people of Vincennes, telling them that he was about to attack the town. He advised all friends of America to remain quietly in their homes and asked all friends of the British to go to the fort and join the hair buyer, as the black woodsman called Hamilton. At dark, Clark's men charged into the town and attacked at the fort. The fight went on all night. As soon as it was daylight, the backwoodsmen fared through the portholes and drove the gunners from the cannon. Clark's men begged to storm the fort. Only one American had been wounded, but several British soldiers had been killed and others wounded. In the afternoon, Hamilton surrendered, and once more the stars and stripes floated over old Vincennes. The willing appeared in a few days. Her men was deeply disappointed because they were too late to take part in the fight. Clark put men in the forts at Kaskaskia, Cahokia, and Vincennes, and made peace with the Indians round about, but he was never able to march against Detroit as once he had planned to do. Virginia rewarded the brave men who had followed Clark by giving to each 300 acres of land in southern Indiana. The land was surveyed and is known today as Clark's Grant. Clark and his men had performed one of the deeds of the Revolutionary War. They made it possible for the United States to have the Mississippi River for her western boundary where England acknowledged our independence. George Rogers Clark was never properly rewarded. He spent his last days in poverty at the falls of the Ohio on Corn Island and died in 1818. In 1895, a monument was re erected in honor of his memory in the city of Indianapolis, Indiana.